Boker Tov. I spent two hours last night just sitting on these psukim, trying to figure out the text and the order and the, and what's going on. And I, I realized that I think Parashat Kitisa may be the most difficult parasha in the Torah. So cryptic. So, so, so cryptic. So difficult to understand. Very hard to follow what's going on. On top of all that, we have the issue of the whole Egel uh, Azahab uh, thing, they say, comes before the, the instructions of the Mishkan. So then why did the Torah put the instructions of the Mishkan first? And then you have the question of then, what is, what is the Torah trying to tell us laying the text out as it does? And then trying to connect the experience of of B'nai Israel at the mountain, trying to see it as a continuation of the previous experience at the mountain, which was at the end of Parashat Mishpatim. I mean, I, I left with more questions than I began. <laughs> so I, I'll do my best. It's, it's, a, it's an extremely difficult parashat to understand. Um, may one day God open up our, our eyes to, uh, to its meaning. Amen. Amen. But, Amen. but it's not, I mean, it's it's not one easy. One thing is for sure, Hashem is giving us here the 13 attributes, so He's teaching us how to ask. Even the 13 attributes. Oh, there is so, so much. What is it, that whole segment... You know, there's a segment in our parasha in which, in which Moshe is asking for forgiveness from Borei yes, yes. And for some reason, by the way, he asks for forgiveness three times. And you have to understand what each time he's asking for specifically. And then on top of that, Borei says he's going to destroy Bnei Israel twice. Yes. Uh, there's so much, so much. And then I'm going to send an angel, not myself. And then oh, oh, the sending the angel thing. Yeah, and then I, what, what is the meaning? What is the meaning of sending the angel? And then how is that different? By the way, at the end of Parashat Mishpatim, also there was God also said there was an angel. So what? what last time in, in my in my name, it said an angel in like. It's... Okay, we have to analyze all these things. Are are they're all questions that are <laughs> weighing on my mind and and. They make the text so difficult to just... You know, sometimes if you sit on it and you sit on it and you sit on it, eventually something comes something gives that gives you a, that gives of, you a satisfaction yeah, you comes out. I understood something. But the text is so cryptic. <laughs> it's so cryptic. So hard to understand. Anyways, we, we, we were in the part of the Shabbat. Yes. Okay, so now we have to, we have to start with this that. this Shabbat that is in here, there is... And by the way, to, to start off with my first question... When, when was the last time we spoke about the Shabbat? Uh, also at the end of Parashat Mishpatim. Yes. It was right around the time yes. whenever we were told about you the work, Malach. You, uh, you, you work for six days. Yes, correct. Correct. Look, if you go yes, to... Yes, 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 yes. yes. So right. Here... Look at Pasuk 12, chapter 23. 23, 12. Six days you should do your thing. Then, On the seventh day you shall rest. Yes. So that you and your ox and this and that can rest. Yes. And then, Pasuk 20. Angel I'll send an angel to protect you on the way. And bring you right. To the place and this you is all, these laws are all right before 
Moshe establishes the covenant yes. with Bnei Yisrael. So Moshe writes down these words and he does the covenant. And then we come here. And then we go to the end of our parasha and we learn about this, the same Shabbat. Yes. We learn about, and this, this at the end of our parasha. I'm not even referring to the Shabbat Correct. scenario here. There's another Correct. talking of a Shabbat even later. Yes. Okay. So we learn about the Shabbat. We learn about the Malach. And then Moshe does another covenant. So what is the, the, there are a lot of similarities between the covenant at the end of Mishpatim and the, co- and the covenant at the end of Kitisa. Uh, I, I don't know. It's so much, <laughs> so much going on. There's so many, so many things that the text is obviously trying to tell us and by connecting have... things. And I can't figure out the meaning of any of it. That's why I keep on saying we are a little red. Yeah. I am a little red uh, fish in the middle no, of the ocean. No, it's all of us. It's not, it's not just you. It's, it's all of us. But that's the beauty. There's, there's a big ocean. Yeah, at least you have something to think about. You know, I always say I love, I love when I'm bothered by something. Yeah, like if a, it's too easy, there is no... Co- yeah, if, there's, if it's no, too easy, it's no just fun. a book. This is not right, a just, This right. is... <laughs> right. Uh, anyways, back to our parasha. We are in, in Pasuk 22, yes. chapter 30. By the better I'm going to go a bit quick. Oh, no. no, not that, not that, sorry, 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 because it is a symbol between me and, ben, and between you for generations to know that I am God who sanctifies you. You should keep the Shabbat because it is sanctified for you. Whoever violates it shall be put to death. Anybody who does melacha on the Shabbat will be cut off from the nation. For six days work shall be done On the seventh day It will be a Shabbat Shabbaton Sanctified for Hashem Anybody who does Melacha on Shabbat Anybody who does work on Shabbat Shall be put to death Repeats it twice Repeats it twice Okay, you want to ask more questions? <laughs> you know, I, I have, we have enough questions to begin even, even within this small paragraph We have questions Okay and Bnei Yisrael shall keep the Shabbat to do the Shabbat for the generations as an eternal covenant. Between me and the Jewish people, it is an eternal symbol that that for six days God made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and He stopped from work and He rested. Okay, so the elements of this piece. Elements of the, of the Shabbat I am God who sanctifies you You keep it uh, the, the, the death penalty Is applied to anybody who violates it Then Very strong, um, Very, very strong. And it says that twice And then it says Besides for the reason of knowing That it is I who sanctify you Which is the first reason for the Shabbat right. The second reason for the Shabbat That's stated at the end is to know that I created the world on six days and on the seventh day I rested. Okay, what is the Shabbat doing in this part of of thing? We touched on it a little bit yesterday. Because they were doing the, going to start the, the construction. They're going to start the construction. So, doing, so what's the relationship between the construction of the Mishkan and... It's also Kedusha, uh, it's also holiness for, for, 
Okay, good, good, good. So you're touching on the main points. Um, the the first the first reason it's discussed here, and this is my not it's 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 a guided speculation. I'm not just saying this, but I didn't read it in any of the perushim. But I think this is what the text is trying to tell us. The first reason the Shabbat is stated here is because the creation of the Mishkan, as I said yesterday, is very similar to the creation of the world. And how is that? Because God creates the world and He gives man a, a Tzelem Elohim, which is a godly instinct or godly soul. And that godly soul makes us in a way similar to Borei Olam. And in which way are we most similar to Borei Olam? In our creative ability, as we've said many times in the past. Humans have a creative ability which likens them to God. And therefore, when we engage in that creative ability and when we build the Mishkan, we are essentially fulfilling our Tzalem Elohim. We are, we are, being, we are likening ourselves to God. And since this is the most central construction project for the people in the whole Torah, it is as if God's construction project is the creation of the world. And the people's construction project is the creation of the Mishkan. Yes. So the same way God and His construction project rested on the seventh day, the people to. also have to rest on the seventh day, which is why all of the laws of the Shabbat come from the Mishkan. Correct. We look to see what was done in the Mishkan, and then from there we see what is forbidden, meaning whatever was done in the Mishkan becomes forbidden, yes. becomes considered milacha to be forbidden on Shabbat. And that... It's because these items are so interrelated. The Mishkan construction and the creation of the world are two sides of the same coin. Okay? Now the other, the other idea behind, uh, and that's a very deep idea, I'm stating these things quickly, but you, and you could give a shiur on, on this concept. Um, but, but we like to go fast with the deep ideas. You know? I'm, not, I'm not so patient. Okay, then the, next, the next idea is that the Mishkan represents a, a sanctification of a physical location. Okay? There are two types of sanctification we have in Yahadut. Two types of, of separatings that we have in Yahadut. Things that we separate. We separate locations, like the Mishkan, is the, the location that is separated for Kedusha. And in a similar vein, we separate Eretz Israel as a place that is more holy than anywhere, holy else, than than anywhere, anywhere else, else in the world. Right? Correct. So in Yahadut, we have a concept of separating by location. There's one other form of sanctification that we have, which is the sister to this form of sanctification. And that's the sanctification of time. Time is sanctified the same way spaces are sanctified. So the same way a Bet Knesset or Eretz Israel or the Mishkan is a sanctified place, there is the Shabbat and the Chagim, which are sanctified times. Okay? What, is the, yeah, what is the relationship between the sanctified time and the sanctified place? I don't know, uh, but, but those are, these are the two, but they're two sides of the same coin because we, we are to live a sanctified life. And the way we do it is by sanctifying locations and sanctifying time. If you want to really so go I down think, on I think it's also because it's precious. I mean, time is precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you really want to go down a rabbit hole, you could uh, think, um, uh, think in terms of Albert Einstein's, uh, um, what, what was his contribution? He found that time and space were interrelated somehow. Not that, I, not that I know what it means. But the same thing is, uh, to my opinion, we, time, we, we have only a small period of time that we live right. in this if, world. If anybody so is a theoretical physicist or if anybody this is... This time is very precious. I mean, so to give part of it, to make it very holy and to be able to enjoy it and to 
share it. I mean, I think. Right. I, I think. I think the sanctification of time, the whole purpose of sanctification of time, is to train people to see their life as more than just a life of toil and labor and something in which repeating the same thing every day the same thing every day with so that they end up living a life like an animal in which there is no meaning they never look up i think that's the idea of sanctifying time um how that relates to sanctifying location i don't know but but these are two things that are similar i mean meaning i i don't know philosophically what the relationship is between them but they are connected because they are the two cornerstones of sanctification Kedusha happens either on a location or on time. Okay? And finally, and, and again, I, I'm just thinking Hashem of this now. chose Israel to give to I mean, chose the land of Israel to give it to If Israel. anybody knows physics uh, and wants to comment on the relationship between space and time as, uh, um, uh, as in... Uh, Based on Albert Einstein's... Uh, please send you know. us an email. <laughs> yeah, please send me an email. Because that would be an interesting... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, meaning... Imagine that. Imagine if the Torah sees, sees them as one and the same. No doubt. The, sa- the same way Albert Einstein did. No doubt. And won a Nobel Prize for. Okay. Perak Lamed Bet. No. Very important. Pasuk. Yes. The, the, the mm-hmm. golden calf story is what yes. we were about to, uh, yes. to, to study. Uh, it opens with a, an interesting pasuk, pasuk 18 of Perak Lamed Aleph, the yes. 31st chapter. Moshe, and he gives to Moshe. Hashem gave to Moshe. When he finished speaking with him on Har Sinai, luchot ha'edut, two luchot of the covenant, luchot even kituvim elohim. They were the uh, luchot of stone that were written with the finger of God. Okay. Uh, when when did we here. <laughs> when did we first when did we first learn about the luchot? Here. Um, well, where did Moshe get the luchot from? When he was up, up in East. yeah, which parasha? I mean, for the Ten Commandments, but he didn't get it. He didn't. He didn't get the luchot, right? He didn't say that he get it. I he think what we have ten, to do. He just got the Ten Commandments. I think what we have was. to do exactly. He didn't get the luchot. You're no. right. He didn't he get, get the luchot. The luchot that Here he's coming, getting the luchot. He's coming down. Meaning, whenever in the last time we saw Moshe, what had occurred? He had said the Ten Commandments at the end of Parashat Yitro. Then he gave the rest of the mishpatim. Hashem said the Ten Commandments to all of Bnei Israel. Yes. Bnei Israel complained. They say we can't hear this. This is yes. impossible. Yes. Moshe, you teach it to us. So Moshe comes down apparently, and he teaches to Bnei Israel himself all the laws of the mishpatim. Then, when Bnei Israel hear the laws of the Mishpatim, plus the Ten Commandments, at the end of Parshat Mishpatim, they say, Naaseh. And then yeah, Moshe yes. does a covenant. He writes the Sefer Abirit, which we say the Sefer Abirit must have been the laws of Mishpatim plus the Ten Commandments, oh, on a scroll or something. Correct. Moshe writes it for them. He makes the covenant on that, and then they say, Naaseh v'nishma. Yes, we accept and we... we Once they say Naaseh v'nishma, That's it. Moshe goes covenant. up the mountain. Yes. Okay, he tells Bnei Israel, we, we should read it because it's a continuation of that story. Um, what a back and forth. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, this is what's... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be organized in the thought and in the, in the thinking and in tracking good, the Sukim. He's good, he's good. He's keeping but, us but, on our toes. He's very right. good. Okay, Mishpatim. Okay, and then... So Moshe goes... Prophecy of the mountain. He takes the Sefer Abirit, here, we're on Pasuk 7. Moshe takes the Sefer Abirit, as we described, 
and he reads it in the ears of the nation, and they say, anybody, anything that Hashem said, we will do and we will keep. Yes, correct. Okay. Now Moshe takes the blood and he throws it on the people, and he says, behold, the blood of the covenant that God made with you is on all of these words. And Moshe, Aharon, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel, they go up after Bnei Israel do the covenant on the ground. Now Moshe has to go up to do what? To go and to continue. now get the luchot. Yes. He has, he's written a Sefer the, Abderi. The, the, contra, the, the written contract from but, Hashem. Yeah, exactly. He needs the, the same way that exactly. he wrote a contract, Hashem exactly. will Exactly. God is going to write a, a counter contract, which is the Ten Commandments written on the Luchot, yes. seemingly. Okay. <coughs> so Moshe has to go up. So Moshe, Aharon, Adab, and Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel go up, and they see the God of Israel, and under his feet were like the sapphire, sapphire brick, brick, stone. Brick, brick, bro, brick. Yeah, and, and in their clarity, they looked like the heavens. And God did not strike the leaders of the children of Israel, for they had looked at God and they ate and they drank. Yeah, okay? That so that was already an issue. Yes, big issue. Wow. Okay, so we're seeing issues come up in the previous case. And then God says to Moshe, Come up to me to the mountain and be there. And I will give you the Luchot Even, the Torah, the Mitzvah, Asher Katavti Lorotah. I'm going to give you the Luchot Even, the Torah, and the Mitzvah, Asher Katavti that I wrote to, for you to instruct them. And even that's vague, because what is God writing exactly? What's on the Luchot versus what's on the Torah? What is the Torah? What is the Mitzvah? What does all this mean? Moshe and Yoshua's servant, they go onto the mountain. And to the elders, he said, you remain here until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a problem, go to Aaron and Hur. So the last thing Moshe says to the people is what? Stay down here. Wait. Stay down here wait. and wait for me. Yes. Until we return. Until me and Yoshua return to you. Does he give them a date? Does he give them a time? Nothing. Nothing. So they don't know. They don't know how long it's going to take. So it's not even saying that 40 days. Oh, no, it doesn't it says, say 40 days. It says Moses arrived in the midst of the crowd and, said, and Moses was on the mountain. Yeah, but, but did he, he didn't he, tell no, them. He didn't say. It, the text is telling yes, us. Yes, the narrator is telling us. Okay, Vayal Moshe Lahar. Moshe goes up the mountain by Chas Hanan Tahar. And the mount and the and the cloud covers the, the, the mountain. And the glory of God or the Shekhinah of God rested on the mountain and the, the there was a cloud that covered it for six days. And on the seventh day. From within the cloud, he called out to Moshe. And the, 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 the glory of God, the Shekhinah, looked like a, a fire on the top of the mountain. Looked like a fire on the top of the mountain to the eyes of Bnei Israel. So he said, this is also a, a red flag. Right. Six days, the cloud is sitting there. On the seventh day, he calls out to Moshe. For Bnei Israel, though, it's not a cloud. It is... Fire. fire. They, see, they only see fire. They don't exactly. See and Moshe approaches into the cloud, or to Bnei Israel's eyes, the fire. And he goes up the mountain. Moshe was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Seemingly including those first six days plus, plus one in which he was waiting and he was just waiting in the cloud. So what do we see from here? One, the first element we see here is this is after the covenant is established. Correct. So what are we to expect after the golden calf? That we're going to have to re-establish the covenant probably because yes. this is probably going to ruin yes, it. Yes, right? yes, yes. One. Two. Already the Jewish people, they see God and they eat and they drink. No Not respect. a good sign. No respect. Seemingly they have a lack of respect. Three. Moshe tells them 
I'm going up. Wait for me. Wait for me. But he does not tell them how long. No. So there is no. So they're not. How are they supposed to know how long Moshe is yes. going to be? Why, and forty why? days and forty nights is not not a short amount of time. And why for from their perspective, Moshe is going into a fire. So that's another problem. Yeah, they might think that he might be got burned. Yeah, they may think that he is burnt or he's taken up by the thing. So that is our introduction to the pasuk we just read. So after all of these things, Moshe, after speaking to him on the on the mountain, he gave him the two luchot, luchot of stone that were written by the finger of God. Okay, that's our introduction to the Chet Ha'ikel story. Um, Which is a big problem. Yeah, and, and finally, one thing I want to point out is if Moshe goes up the mountain and he's about to get to Luchot, why is it then that we learned about the Mishkan and this and all of the process of inaugurating Kwanim? Perhaps, I think, just because of the Aron. Because it wants to tell us of the location of the Luchot before it tells us that we got the actual Luchot. Where to, Where to put them before you, we get yes, them. Yes, because you cannot just get them and they what? Walk yeah. around with it like and this? And then as the Torah typically does, once it's it teaching, ta- ta- teaching teaches how? us about the Aron, it's teaching us about the rest of the Mishkan. Yes. Okay? Now that's why the Mishkan is going to be taught the first time. Okay? Oh. And so then... So those, those teachings were while he was up in the mountain. Seemingly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At least the Torah wants us yes, to think yes, that. Yes, correct. Okay? Once he finishes teaching the Mishkan and all of the details of the Mishkan and where the, where the Luchot are going to be... And who is going to... Const, const, and who is going to build it? Then yeah. he says, here's the Luchot. Now you can go... You go. Now is, you know where you're going to put it. this is my certificate. Not, not this that, is my certificate. Right, not that the Mishkan is already built because it's not. But, but now take it because now you know what to do with it. And that's where we stand. Okay, and then tomorrow... We're going to see, based on what we read wow. just now, what B'nai Israel's response is going to be. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen.